The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of, from getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome. We've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow. Get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Author Revolution Podcast. Guys, oh my goodness, this is going to be a fantastic episode. This is going to be another long one because I've brought in the amazing Becca Syme to talk all things about author success archetypes, the Clifton strengths, and how we as authors need to individualize our process and our author careers so that we don't get into burnout and we can do things better and faster, right? So if you haven't yet met Becca, first of all, where have you been? (laughs) She's an amazing woman and someone with so much knowledge that I seriously could sit and pick her brain all day long. She has so many insights that are just absolutely incredible. And for someone like me who loves to kind of dig into how the brain works, how people are the same yet different, it's super fascinating stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to get just straight into this interview because you're going to love everything that Becca has to say and what she's talking about, and I don't want you to miss a thing. So let's get to it. Well, hi, Becca. I'm so excited to have you on the Author Revolution podcast. It's uh, You've been like on my like to-do list of bringing you here for I don't even know how long. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I did talk a little bit in the intro about how you finally did come into my sphere. But for my audience who might not know about you quite yet... Do you want to tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do? I know it's a a long list of incredible things. So yeah, my, um, I'm a success coach for writers specifically. I mean, we do other stuff like we coach in corporate and do stuff like that. But generally speaking, I work with writers because I'm also a novelist. And that was how I got into doing it is I was noticing that my friends were struggling with certain things that I knew could be explained through either like systems uh, thinking or through personality, like behavioral science, right? Because that's kind of where my background is. And so I was like, okay, I can help you figure out why this is not working for you. And then we would, you know, help them. And this was really early back in the like early days of indie. And, And so I would start individually coaching people. And then I kind of just kept coaching more and more and more people. And what I do now is partly, I mean, I still coach, I still do individual success coaching, but I'm also trying to kind of translate some of that data into like, here are the general patterns that I see among writers and and how writers are successful in different ways and how it's possible for you to be wired extremely differently from the people that are successful that you're looking at and for you to still have success in just a different way than they might have it because the way that people are successful is so nuanced and different. And it's just likely that you don't know anyone who's successful in your particular way yet. But there are people out there who follow the same success patterns that you do. They're just not, for whatever reason, in your purview yet. And so I kind of try to translate that by saying, 
Like here are the general patterns that I see from having coached 6,000 plus individual people. And that's not like 6,000 people took my class or, you know, 6,000 people heard me speak at a conference. This is like, I sit down one-on-one for at least 45 minutes with more than 6,000 individual people, because my goal is to try and see like, how are people the same and how are they different? How does that success difference matter? How does your personality matter? And then just kind of give big picture, like, this is how we're different and this is why. And yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. That is so cool. I I love that. That's all the things that you're so interested and passionate about. And it comes through with like everything that I've seen you talk about, you you know, you've got a YouTube channel. That's amazing. I've seen you speak at 20 books. I've seen you speak at Idaho. I mean, uh, other places as well, but obviously those are most recently I can't remember how you came into my sphere. I want to say it was my friend, Liza Street. I'm almost positive it was her. I recognize that name. Yeah. She's amazing. I love her so much. I think she, she got me turned on to your dear writer books. And I started reading those a while back. I mean, it's been, it's been a while when you first started, I think the very first one, but when we were at 20 books to 50 K, your talk just blew me away because you were talking about author success archetypes. And it was the first time I'd heard you speak like about that particular aspect of it. So I wanted to start there because I know it's kind of the the next phase of what you're doing and we'll we'll get to kind of what you you do with strengths, but could you explain a little bit about this concept because I I know people are going to be like, "Oh my gosh." And for me, it really triggered in my brain some aha moments. Yeah, like the easiest way to kind of describe it is that we already do this without realizing it with like plotters and pantsers, for instance. And we have a lot of discussions in the author sphere about like, are you a plotter or are you a pantser? And I'm like, well, like everything, it's a continuum. It's not a binary, right? And so when you think about how people are successful at story creation, um, what you're essentially asking when you say, are you a plotter or a pantser, is I'm asking can you write a coherent, clear, compelling story without needing to plan ahead what you're writing or can't you? And just how much do you need to know about what you're writing before you can write a clear, compelling, coherent story? And there's a continuum with that, that this is why whenever we say, are you a plotter or a pantser, almost everyone is like, well, a little of both, because that is the reality is the majority of us are in between and not on the extremes. And so we already kind of know a little bit about success archetypes just by having that discussion. But in addition to plotting and pantsing, there are so many different continuums that exist out there. And what my job has been in doing this high volume of coaching of individual people is so like people will come to me and they'll say, this is what I do in this particular arena. And because we we uh, talked about trailblazing a little bit. I'll say, let's talk about writing to market. That's like one of the continuums. How do you create a book that is sold in the market for a particular market? And how do you relate to that market? There's a continuum that exists. And on one side is the trailblazer, which is like, I want to write something the market has never seen before. And I want to be totally different and blaze a trail that people will follow me onto, right? And then there are the drafters who are taking what the trailblazers do and sort of trying to iterate it um, and seeing if they can make it better. And sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't, but because sometimes the trailblazers hit on the thing that people are actually going to follow them on. And then sometimes the drafters, you know, just stop drafting and then go draft something else. That's just what drafters do. 
And then we have this segment of evergreens, which is they don't really need to look at the market intentionally in order to be able to create good books because so much of the story is innate to them. Like there's some level of capacity in either liking the genre that they write or having an id list of some kind or being a discovery writer, whatever it is about them that they don't need to be looking at the market. And then there's the islands who they may or may not watch the market, but when it comes time to sit down and write, they really don't care. They are they are an island unto themselves, right? So the reason that I needed to have that discussion is that I would get a lot of evergreens coming to me saying, well, okay, so I need to write to market in order to be successful. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, you don't have to write to market in order to be successful. And then we would have to have a conversation about why that is the case and et cetera. And I'm like, look, it's just easier for me to explain that there's a continuum of people. You can be anywhere on that continuum and still have success because that's the key to these archetypes. It's not just that it's possible for people to be wired this way. It's that it's possible for them to write books that people want to read, which by nature means that they are marketable, right? So it's possible to write books that people want to read without ever studying the market, without intentionally trying to write to market, without doing any research. Or it's possible to sell books by intentionally writing what you think the market might not want or might want later because you're trailblazing, right? So like it's possible to sell on at any point in that continuum, but because it's easy to teach people how to write to market, it is easier to teach how to be a drafter. So the majority of what is put out there um, for like, how do we do this author life is aimed at drafters, really. And then everybody else is sort of like on their own to figure it out, whether (laughs) they're, you know, able to question the premise of writing to market or not. And then they get really frustrated because they're not able to be successful at the drafting. And so the whole goal of doing this particular continuum, and like I said, there are so many others, but the goal of this particular continuum was to answer the questions that I would get from people about why can't I write to market? Why, when I try to do it, is it not working? And then what should I be doing instead? And I'm like, oh, my sweet summer child, let me <laughs> show you, right? It's like, right? yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, we had an interesting conversation before we started. It's all, There's always interesting conversations before we start. So I have yeah. to go back to this a little bit. I was mentioning how like with my urban fantasy side, I feel definitely more of the trailblazer energy. But now that I'm kind of shifting into rom-com and I've just been enjoying like the reading process and enjoying it from the writer or from the the reader perspective, it's not, it was never meant intentionally to be like research mode. It was just meant to be like, let's immerse myself as the reader again and like enjoy that process. So I feel much more like an evergreen in that name. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of drafter, but not really. Like I'm not looking at what other people are doing and trying to to create it or trying to do it better or any of those things. I, I feel like it's more just, this is the story and it's innate in me. So it's just, it's an interesting like position. Do you feel like a lot of authors have like, even people in general, but like where you can be multiple archetypes based off of different things? Yeah, it really depends on what what actually happens when you're writing, right? And whether or not it's successful. Because I think that's always the question for me about is an author success archetype different on different for different people? It's so this is the best way to describe it. 
if you're a trailblazer and you really are only a trailblazer, when you start trying to evergreen, you'll eventually start trailblazing without realizing it. And it might happen by accident. It might happen (laughs) without you intending it to happen. But, but just after talking to you about it, I don't anticipate that it's predictable that it's going to happen because it really does feel like there's a different energy. Like you do feel more like you have evergreen energy about that, uh, um, platform. Cause I do also yeah. think we kind of were talking about it in terms of like this pen name and then this pen name. And I feel very trailblazery in this pen name. And I had said like, Oh, that, that makes total sense because sure. we have a lot of like nonfiction people, for instance, who kind of say like, I'm definitely not a drafter in my fiction. Like I'm an evergreen in my fiction, but then they are very much drafters in their nonfiction and uh and then the the way that they act over time will show like yes you're definitely a drafter so i have seen people be different things in different platforms but usually what'll happen is you'll have like a a type where you have wild success at something and then that'll be where you're the most aligned and if you have a secondary type it'll be like well let's see is it possible that i was actually an evergreen the whole time and i didn't know it or is it possible that I am going to be a trailblazer in my evergreen? But it's also possible that you could legitimately be both. Sure. Um, because, and this was the hard thing. I mentioned this at 20 books. The hard part about having this discussion predictively in the future is that the market is capricious, right? Like the market is unpredictable. And it's very, very difficult to know for sure, just because it fits all of the things that it should fit, that it's actually going to sell. So it's so hard to say, this is part of why when I have the discussion, we're almost always look at what has happened rather than like what's coming in the future. Because it's so hard to say like, I'm going to do this in an evergreen way. And then it's a hundred percent going to be successful because evergreens can write series that don't sell. And so can trailblazers and you know, whatever. Right. But yeah, it's definitely possible to have, it's not like an Enneagram number, right? Where you pretty much are just one core motivation all the time. Um, this is more about all systems alignment. So like if my entire system of being a urban fantasy writer aligns with me trailblazing, because there's all these parts of myself that aren't getting exercised in other areas. And then this part of rom-com sort of fits in with my evergreen nature and the time in life that I'm sure. at, right? Where if I've had a wild amount of success in a, in one genre, I don't necessarily need to have a wild amount of success in a second genre if I am okay with where I'm at. So then that might make you more likely to be evergreen in that experiment. Um, but yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah. When, when I first started writing, I would say I, I wonder like the way that you're describing it, if I was more evergreen in the beginning, because like I didn't really care about trailblazing. I didn't care about what the, the the readership was. There was just a story I knew I had to get out and I had a lot of fun with it, you know? Yeah, and so it wasn't necessarily about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the more I worked on it and the more I kind of played around with the ideas of it, there were definitely times where ideas stood out. And I'm like, I don't want to do that because everybody else is everybody doing it. Does it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so then I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like my PA, I've said this on the podcast before. My PA kept pushing me to write werewolf stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to do werewolves. Ugh. No. And so when um, KF Breen and Shannon Mayer started doing all of the like the midlife stuff, I'm like, 
I haven't seen any midlife wolf things or female alphas. Oh, now I can do it. And so that's oh, how it all yeah, came yeah. to be. Do you have ideation or strategic in your strengths? Like I in think your so. strengths? Yes, I, I believe strengths. I do. Let me look. Yeah. Let me see what my top were. I have, I'm, I'm a relator first, yes, then strategic, activator, maximizer, and then ideation. So yeah, yeah those I are was going to say, so the strengths, Clifton strengths, success uh, metrics are more broad in terms of they're not specific to authors. They're more broad for the whole population. And the strength means that these are the things that are the best about me, right? Like this is the thing that I have the most instinctive, easy time doing. So ideation is all about having new and different ideas um, and specifically not wanting to do what everyone else has done. And then having like an ability to make a new idea out of old ideas also, right? So there's an element of ideation that if you are evergreen in your creation, like where you actually create the best when you are in love with what you're doing and it's organic to who you are. And then that ideation comes along and is like, but not with this. Oh, but let's do this. Right. But let's try that. Like both of those can still be, uh, can, uh, can still be possible. It's just what you see is I am at my best in story creation when I sort of have a full heart about what I'm writing, like that I am interested in what I'm doing and that I'm invested. And then I kind of can't make myself write something just because other people think that I should do it. Then that ends up with me just writing what I want anyway, which is why I'm sort of <laughs> joking about like, hey, it's possible that you may trailblaze as an evergreen if you are a trailblazer. Because when you get into writing, you'll get so frustrated with like (laughs) what has been done that you'll just, you know, trailblaze and then watch for everyone to follow you. So that'll be a big question mark, I think. Yeah, that will be because I could I could definitely see myself, you know, trying to write force proximity, for instance, and being like, I can't do it. I have to make fun of it or something like, (laughs) you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so fascinating. Uh, That does. Right. Well, yeah. 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 Okay, so we'll obviously get into Clifton Strengths in a second, but I want to dig just a little bit deeper with these author archetypes or the success archetypes because you've mentioned, I can't remember if it was your YouTube channel or somewhere, but how we don't obviously have enough exploration or talk about whether it be in conferences or other places about how there are different success metrics and how oftentimes when people are up on stage, they're they're talking about it from a very specific success archetype and not talking about it from the others. Do you think that there's a reason why there hasn't been a whole lot of debate? Like, is there a specific archetype that likes to talk about what what's winning, what's working? Or is it just like, literally, we had no idea that other people could succeed other ways? So some of it is, so like, let's talk about the Clifton strengths for just a second, because they're very like, when you think about the most instinctive thing about you at all, right? Like that's your number one strength. And to a point where it will not make sense to you that other people are not like this, right? Like I have a number one input, which means that I'm like a compulsive Googler. I am obsessed with Googling everything. <laughs> and I at anytime anyone brings something up, I'm like, oh, let me go look that up. I wonder, because I'm very curious, right? By nature. Right. Um, And so when I meet people who don't automatically Google things when someone brings it up or they don't like kind of have their phone with them at all times to be able to like, you know, compulsively Google things. 
it never makes sense to me. I'm like, how can you hear someone talk about something interesting and not immediately need to go look it up like a compulsion? (laughs) And it's because I have this trait that is extremely high, that is so instinctive for me that I can't see it. It's like a blind spot, right? And and we call this our a 3000 words a minute level, right? Because that's the top 1% of speed reading. And that was kind of the introduction into strengths theory in the first place was trying to see, hey, if we took a whole bunch of average readers, could we bring them all up to the same level if we just gave them a really good teacher? And then they tested these two groups where they started off with like the average speed at 90 words a minute and the above average people were at 350 and they put them in groups together, put them through the same class. And then at the end, the average group had gone from 90 to 150 and the above average group had gone from 350 to 3000. So like the ability to get better faster at this thing that you have such a high natural capacity in it's almost like, of course, you're not going to recognize that you have that blind spot because it feels so easy. It's like, well, if I can do it, anyone can do it because it's something that just comes so naturally to me. And we don't recognize that like for every number one input, there's a 34 input and I have dated him and he is not like (laughs) me at all. Like (laughs) it was painful. It was very painful. But my first instinct is knowing everything. His last instinct is knowing everything. So if I design a preparatory material for being successful at being a writer based on you have to know everything and be completely connected and and compulsively go look everything up and take every course, he would fail every time. He's brilliant at what he does, but not in the same way that I am. And so if I set him up for success, uh, assuming that you have to be like me in order to be successful because that's the way that I was successful, then he's going to fail. But there's a way for him to be successful. It's just, we have to figure out how to set up his success plan in a way that takes advantage of his 3000 words a minute level stuff instead of mine. But to your question, yeah, absolutely. There are certain strengths that find hard work to just be easier than other strengths. There are some strengths that find making strategic decisions to be the easiest and most important thing that they do. There are strengths that find communication and talking about what you do and selling themselves to be the easiest thing for them to do. And for every person in this industry that is good at that, there are thousands of people who are 34 at that, right? So it's like, yeah, we need to understand that there is no such thing as an expectation that will work for everyone. It's always, always individualized. I love that. And I think it makes so much sense. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. 
head over to authorevolution.org forward slash Patreon.